everybody. Welcome back to the next episode of Dog Backwards. I'm your host, Caleb Moore, and we like to look at life, faith, and theology from a different angle. Um, we've got a lot of exciting things coming up. I found out uh, just a couple of days ago that there's a Christian Roku channel that is going to start featuring this podcast. I don't know much about it, but as uh, info comes in, I will let you know so you'll be able to stream it on your Roku smart TV devices. Of course, you can find it on iTunes and YouTube. We've got a new YouTube channel up, so you want to be able to make sure you like and subscribe. And this podcast is brought to you by absolutely nobody. So go to my website and buy my book. It helps me, uh, calebmore.tv. Today, we have some good old friends of mine, Byron and Carla Weathersby. And when Adrian and I had only known each other for about four months, but we had decided to get married, uh, Byron and Carla are the ones who walked us through this whole marriage process and uh, let us know what a good biblical godly marriage looked like. And so we've been using their resources every year that we do premarital counseling. And when we were a pastor in Tulsa, you know, we basically built our church off of your material. We offered free premarital counseling to all of Tulsa and couples that had no minister would come and they would use your resources and those people would end up getting plugged into the church. So we were church planners using your marriage material. And so that's what they do. Uh, thank you guys for being here on the show. Well, thank you, Caleb. And, uh, you know, our time goes back even before that. I can remember working with your dad, Walker, uh, doing youth ministry when you were probably uh, seven, eight years old. Yes, well, just a few years ago. And yeah. so we really are your old friends. You are our old friends, right? Yeah. Um, and thank you for that uh, compliment. And it's really exciting so to see how God used you and in uh, his church to do his work. And I found that one of the reasons I left youth ministry is because I just saw all these young married couples just struggling so much. I said, well, if I leave youth ministry and go into ministry um, for adults, I can start helping them before they have kids and there's less of a mess to clean up. And that's really the only reason I'm a pastor, pastor. I, I love youth ministry so much easier, so much less stress. Uh, but I wanted to see these young couples as they were getting their life started to start off on the right foot. It's easier to prepare them than trying to undo damage later. Now, I usually have a copy of your book. Um, you've written several things before forever is kind of the one that uh, has been really popular. And I've given that to lots of couples when they're about to get engaged, but I found another one. Uh, I thought it was one of yours at first, but it's countdown to apocalypse. And <laughs> I always thought that was a good name for a premarital book. Um, but that this one's not yours. So uh, tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about what it is that you guys do through your ministry. So we mainly work with engaged couples uh, doing marriage preparation classes and retreats and one-on-ones. And then we also work with maybe seriously dating couples uh, before they even get engaged, helping them to answer the question, how do we know that we know? And uh, it's so important to know that before you get engaged. But our main, the main bulk of our time is spent with engaged couples. So we yeah. do um, classes and retreats and help them get ready for marriage. Um, I think people have this bad view of premarital counseling 
Like the girls are always for it. And the guys are like, I don't, I don't need any help. Even though nobody, like most of these couples haven't been married before. And most marriages, like at least half don't make it, but everybody just assumes they know how to do it. What kind of success do you see from people actually taking the time to do premarital counseling? Yeah, well, first of all, we, we like to say we're, we're not doing your mama's premarital counseling. And we avoid the term premarital counseling, okay. the term marriage preparation. And we take a, an educational approach and as more, you know, instead of an archaeological dig back into your past to figure out what's going on, like counselors often do and counselors are needed, we're, we're trying to prepare them and educate them. And, and we've had about... 1,800 people go through our, our, uh, our marriage prep class here locally in, in uh, Waco. And yeah. we've had, the last time we ran the numbers, it was a little bit less than 5% ended in divorce. Now then, wow. all of those who end in divorce, it's painful to watch. Yeah. Uh, in fact, we're journeying with a couple right now that, that, that are about to sign the divorce papers. So, it, so it's still painful. And, and uh, you mentioned that the 50% divorce rate. One of the myths I'd love to debunk is actually in a book that someone a lot smarter than you and Carla and I uh, did extensive research, uh, Shelty Feldhahn and, and uh, Shanti Feldhahn <laughs> uh, did some research on, on the divorce rate. And, uh, you know, because we hear and pastors even pass that on that 50% of all marriages in divorce. Well, that's that. And that, and that you've also heard it makes no difference if Christ is in the center or not. Well, uh, Shanti has out, f- figured out that that's not accurate. After 15 years of researching, it's hard because there's so many variables. But she suggests that the divorce rate for first-time marriages is between 31 and 35%. And then when you put Christ in the center of that, it drops significantly to less than, than 15 to 18, 20%. And, and Christ makes a significant difference when he's in the center of a, a marital relationship. So we target the guys. We, we want the men to have fun. If you remember when you went through it, uh, uh, our goal is for the guys to, to finish the last class and go, man, that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that process. You know, we, go ahead. Well, we laugh a lot and we do it in a small group setting in homes uh, for trained with our trained leaders. And so there's a lot of personal interaction. The couples are with other couples in their exact same stage that care about all the things wedding. And so um, it's just a really fun experience. And it ends with a weekend retreat where they get to go away to the beautiful, you remember that. Um, And they just get to play and have fun. And we remind them, you know, why they're doing what they're doing. And it, it really, brides and grooms, they can have so much pressure with the wedding and it just becomes a life of its own when you're planning a wedding and you're just stressed out. And it's so such a perspective bringer to really realize, you know, we're gonna prepare for the marriage. And um, we hope that it's it's fun and it's it, it brings perspective, it brings encouragement and it equips them for more than just the wedding day. Yeah, everybody prepares for the wedding day, but they don't spend much time preparing for their marriage. And that seems really backwards. Now, I'm really encouraged to hear statistically that, that Christ is good for marriages. And as somebody who meets with married people going through difficult times, I've seen quite a few Christians like weather the storm of real pain, of like an affair. And for most couples, that's it. 
If there's an affair, they're done. They're on their way out. But I've seen a fair number of Christians. Sometimes it takes a year. Sometimes it takes five years. But with Christ as a center, they manage to get past that hurt and pain. And, and that's really encouraging because you just look at the nuclear family. I think there was a study I was reading the other day. Um, the number of people having kids, uh, getting married, having kids and settling down is continuing to decrease. What are some of your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think COVID probably has has actually helped that a little because it's caused people to to pause and reflect and see what is important. The, the statistical data is still yet to be determined on that, but there seems to be two, two uh, spectrums of that, of where people have to be quarantined, like you guys have the last few weeks, have to be quarantined and they realize we have no relationship and there's a lot of tension and it implodes and they, they go their separate ways, or they realize I really do need and love and, and for the most part, like this person that I'm living with every day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and for Carla and I, we, Carla's my best friend. I love hanging out with her. I'd rather be with her than anybody. But there are days where I, I just look at her and go, you know, I, I, I love you and I'm committed to this, but right now I don't like you very much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that covenant relationship that Christ, it, it's bigger than us. It's, it's about Christ and the church. And, and fortunately, Christ doesn't give up on us when he gets bored with us or when we're uh, not doing what he needs us to do or wants us to do or, or when it just becomes uh, tension. Um, and struggle. And sometimes I think those are the moments that really bond a relationship is when we understand that covenant relationship and we, we push through it, move through it. So um, with a lot of people who have been around their significant other during COVID and I've got some friends, they got back from their honeymoon and like the next day their boss said, you guys work from home and they worked from home for a year. And I was like, if you can make it through that without having a child at the end of it, then you guys, <laughs> it's a miracle because I can't imagine how great that would be, though. We like you just get home from your honeymoon and and you're home. Right. Um, what are some of the major things that you see couples struggling with? Maybe they're unique to this generation, maybe not. But what is kind of like just the typical top two, three things that you hear all the time? Well, we know there's a lot of sexual brokenness. Um, so we see that a lot. Um, we see lots of struggles around having a healthy view of sex. And when pornography has taken over, there's a lot of that. So I know that's one of the big struggles couples deal with is how do we, how do we have a healthy view of sex the way God intended it for be, to be, whether it's fulfilling, intimate, and just very intentional um, versus it's broken, it's dirty, it's bad, it's wrong. You know, those kinds of thought patterns. Uh, there's two, also two great resources and you can be thinking of the other things, but two great resources for that is um, one of our really good friends, Gary Thomas and Deborah Falada combined to write a book called Married Sex. And it just came out this October. One of the best books that we've read on sexuality that will help heal that. Uh, prior to their book coming out, we in Waco did a conference called Sex Talks, and you can get that online still. We made it available to, to folks to watch online. It's on our YouTube channel at, at Legacy Family uh, Ministries uh, on our YouTube channel. You, but if you Google Sex Talks, you have to be really, really careful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go to the YouTube channel and just 
click videos and scroll through there just to, we got enough problems already. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So the other things you're talking about. Um, I, I would say finances is also a really hard, you know, hard topic for a lot of couples because they come from different backgrounds of how they spend money and um, they get themselves into debt. And so we, we try to really, really drill down into that and help them create a budget and help them to explore wrong attitudes they learned growing up and what are the right attitudes towards money and seeing it as stewardship and, and not getting caught up in the crazy materialism of our culture. Uh, so, and then communication conflict, that is huge. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and again, there's been some great research done that if you can, can manage conflict, marital satisfaction and marital longevity increase tremendously. And yet conflict management skills are the easiest to teach people. Yeah. You know, it's fascinating that like of these main things that we see, of course, um, there are things that the world speaks very loudly on in a very negative sense, sex um, and, and money. And they're the things that we tend to make idols of seem to be things that are dangerous for relationships. Now, pornography, I can't imagine you guys being in the position you're in to deal with these young men all the time and women. Now it's not just men. Um, I think the youngest, they say the average age of first exposure to pornography is somewhere around seven years old now. Wow. And so it's just this really muddy waters that people grow up and don't, don't know how to have a good, healthy view of that. Do you see like on a regular basis, just how damaging pornography can be to young men and women? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It comes up constantly. And we see, we see, we get phone calls after they've been married uh, from a broken bride that caught her husband or he confessed. And then again, we try to say, you know, um, there's hope in this. God is the great redeemer and restorer and he can, you can make it through this. And so then we have all the resources that we send to them. And I feel like it's kind of cool to watch God raising up different ministries and different uh, sexual broken, whole, sexual wholeness kinds of uh, avenues. And God led us to do the sex talk conference for that very reason and how he powerfully used that whole conference and the online version of it. We had so many views. And one of the sessions is a marriage porn apart. And it's our, our, our pastor here locally, uh, JP, Jonathan Pocluta, and he does a, a beautiful job. But he was caught up in that prior, and, and God has redeemed him and, and restored him and uh, powerfully shown up and, and radically changed his life. And he tells his story in that as well. And from where we sit, we tell the couples, like, do not hide this. You, you really need to surface it because when it's hidden, um, it will grow. But when it's surfaced, it breaks, it breaks the chains of it um, when you share it with someone it's almost the opposite of the purity culture where like my generation would have grown up in this you know uh you don't even hold hands or you know you wait to kiss till you're um say your vows and, and i don't know what your opinion is on, on some of that stuff but it's like the church just swung because yeah. the, the pornography is just as much within the church as it is outside well, I, of it I do have some opinions on that. You're, you're probably surprised that I would have opinions, but I think part of that, the purity culture, I, I, I was a youth pastor during that era. And I think the intent was uh, a, a, our hearts were right. I think what came out of it and, and the pendulum swung to where I think we may be contributing to it because we're not doing a good job of, of uh, really educating. In fact, I, 
used to say I was going to write a book called I Kiss Kissing Hello uh, (laughs) back in the day. But I think we have a responsibility to to teach self-control and to help people understand themselves uh, sexually and to, to, to not just shut all of that down and compartmentalize it and put it over on the shelf and say, we'll pull that out when we get married. Because then when you get married, you still have to work through those things that you could have been working through as a, as a junior high and high school kid. I got in trouble as a youth pastor. I made a, we had a church camp and our shirt said, uh, true love doesn't wait. Uh, it moves forward. And uh, parents were coming up and because true love waits was the big push at the time. Yeah. And they were like, why are you telling kids true love doesn't wait? I said, well, because your true love isn't a spouse. True love is Christ. And I'm not going to wait on God. I'm going to move forward. Right. And so it was always this idea of there's a soulmate and they're only going to like you if you're perfect and clean. Um, I often describe marriage as not the two doves holding a banner. It's two cars crashing together. And yeah. we've, there's lots of pain and, you know, you got to clean up the mess. Um, so it's, it's finances. So we, we've got the what, what's one of the resources before I move on? Um, I have people all the time saying, well, I need some resources on pornography. How do I overcome this? And I'll point them to things like uh, Covenant Eyes, uh, like online uh, browsers that help give you accountability. But what else kind of resources could they get if they're struggling with that right now? Yeah, I, I, again, I, I mentioned it a while ago, but uh, Jonathan Pakluda, JP, okay. has uh, some really good stuff on pornography because he was caught up in it. Okay. And there's, and then on his uh, podcast, Becoming Something, they've got several resources there to to help that. Uh, you know, the seven pillars of. I think we would need to send that to you. Um, But it's a, it's a church resource that had, they have groups of men that they take through a program that helps with all of it too. Okay. Now finances, because you're in Texas, I'm in Oklahoma. So I see these young guys get married and they are driving a brand new Ford Raptor. And I'm (laughs) like, like you're, you're in college. How, how do you have a $70,000 truck? Right. Uh, and it turns out that they are paying more for their truck than they are for their apartment and they're in debt up to their ears. And it's highly unlikely if that's where you're starting off that you're going to start making wise decisions to get yourself out of that kind of financial pit hole. What would you say to people that are about to get married or married when it comes to their finances? What's some of the best advice that you have? Well, I would, I, we tell our couples over and over delayed gratification. You need to tattoo it on your arm. You need to put it on your refrigerator. There you go. There you go. Um, it just needs to be a very big um, thing that you, you live your life by. And what I think a lot of cu- young couples do is they want the standard of living that it took their parents 25 years to build. They want it year one, the same car, the same house, the same furniture, and so delayed gratification is putting off what you want now. You know, it's, uh, that's what discipline is and acting things now for the future, for, for a lifestyle. So like even Dave Ramsey says, live like no one else so you can live like no one else. So you're, say, you're, just, you're just saying no to all those impulses and you're having a plan. We tell them to get a plan, get a budget, live within your budget and really ask God to, to help you with the, all the things that, 
the messages of greed and materialism and all the things that just bombard us uh, live humbly, you know? And, and there are so many resources out there on this. I mean, Michael Blue, Ron Blue's son uh, has a, a resource. Carla mentioned Financial Peace University with Dave Ramsey, uh, Money Wise. You, there are just so many resources that that a, that a young couple, uh, if if they didn't have uh, opportunity to do it, it's just because they're not looking. And what we do tell them is those first five years are really crucial because they can you can dig a hole that's going to cause you to to um, really wake up in five years and, and have to dig out of over the next 25 years. Or you can build a solid foundation that gives you a lot of freedom over the next 25 years. And those first 18 months set the patterns of spending and communicating and working together as a unit. That, that those eight, first 18 months set the pattern for the first five years. So most couples get married. They're enjoying the honeymoon stage. They rock along. 18 months in, they start sort of thinking about money, but their patterns are established. And then five years in, they wake up and go, oh, we can't keep living like this. That was our story, actually. Yes. <laughs> we didn't do well the first five years. And then we, it, finances will bite you in the tail. And so you're, you'll have to, it's going to catch up with you someday. And you don't live freely and generously. You live fearful and pre like anxious and, yeah. uh, but it all belongs to God. And so if we trust his principles and the transition going from my money to our money is a hard one, but it's so worth every bit of effort you can give to get it right. I remember when I met my wife, I was making uh, $12,000 a year as a part-time youth pastor. And so uh, it was like, what flavor of ramen noodles do you like? You know? Um, so uh, finances. We we were. I'm I'm blessed that I have a wife who is wise in that. So our our financial planning is. I have no idea what comes in, and yeah. she just gives me money every now and then. Um, <laughs> That's a great plan for you. <laughs> yes, yes, it works well. It, it's it's very much like my parents' relationship, right? Like, like <laughs> I, I go out and it comes in. I don't know where it comes from. Um, but now, I think I think guys like Walker Moore have taught me that God is provider. And, and he is provider. And so we've got to trust him. And it's, it's, uh, you know, like the name of your podcast, it's, it's, it's backwards than what makes sense. Yeah. Now, let me kind of ask a real serious question, because you deal so much with this younger generation. There's a lot of people who don't have much hope in this next generation. But you guys seem to be in the midst of it. And I'm sure there's some some complications that come from with every generation, but there's also got to be some good things. What are some of the complications you see from this generation? But what are, what's the bright side? What do we have to look forward to as they get older? I would, I would jump out and say of, of, you know, we've, we've done youth ministry and college ministry our entire, you know, we've been married 37 years and we started doing ministry together two years prior to that. So almost 40 years of doing ministry together. And I would say, this generation is one of the most exciting generations because I think they get it and they're pushing back on uh, what doesn't matter and they're grabbing a hold of what does matter. And, and so I'm very encouraged. Uh, they're not going to play a lot of games. They're, they want it to be serious. And, but I think every generation that's younger uh, wants to be real and authentic. And, and, and I, I think that if we can 
creatively and where it's palatable, give them biblical principles that make sense and aren't just a bunch of rules and treadmill kinds of things. Uh, we've seen them grab a hold of that, but I think they are skeptical and, and, uh, and I join them with that. I, there's, there's reason to be skeptical. Well, as we've seen kind of with uh, COVID, you know, the church is being purified and um, I think culture is not, it's not going to be cool anymore to be a cultural Christian um, because our, our, our country is more post-Christian now. And so I think it's having, you're having to stand in and say, I, I am standing in full surrender to God and I can't play the games anymore. And so I love how churches that are thriving are the ones that are calling all of us, mainly the young ones to that full surrender instead of let's, let's have a dual lifestyle. Let's just be kind of in over here, but then let's have one foot in the world and to where we're kind of faking it. You know, there's nothing that in, in them, I don't think many of them that want to live like that. Uh, they want to make their lives count for something that's greater than themselves. They're, they, we see them really wanting to live for a bigger story and pushing back against anything that derails them from doing that. Yeah, I kind of see the same thing, and I'm encouraged by that, that uh, people don't want to be entertained. They get enough entertainment in the, in the world. They, they're, they're looking for some substance. Yeah. Um, you, so you guys have a, is it a new book, a new workbook coming out? Because we use your workbooks uh, for all our premarital counseling that you can find at LegacyFamilyMinistries.com or .org. .org. Dot org yes legacy family legacy okay legacyfamily.org if you are somebody uh, in fact i know there's a lot of people that are listening to this podcast or you're like oh that's the workbook we went through yes yes it is um so that's who we're talking to <laughs> you're glad you're here um uh you have what do you have that's getting ready to come out yeah we just this past summer released a book called together in fact we have a copy of it it's called yes. together a building a godly uh, marriage. And One of so, the blessings of COVID when the world shut down, our ministry slowed down as most ministries did. And we were able to write it because we've been asked over and over, can you just write something for, for married people more than five, five years or one to five years, one to one to 99 actually. <laughs> yeah. And, and really this, the, the target group of this workbook is uh, to build on those marriages that have been married five years to 30 years that okay. would really be the, the, the target group but we we have a buddy that uh he's he's hilarious you'd love him he's your kind of guy caleb but every every time he meets somebody like he if he uh met you guys he would say uh how's your marriage and, and he leads with that not not how are you doing uh, how about those sooners or how about those cowboys he leads with how's your marriage and and i I think that question comes out of uh, he's watched his friends' marriages implode, uh, and he doesn't he doesn't want that. And, yeah. and so, what we've kind of done is start with that question of of how's your marriage, but try to build on it with a call back to what God's called us to do within this institution mm -hmm. of marriage. And I think the church maybe inadvertently we've we've overvalued marriage to where we almost worship marriage over the creator. And I think we need to put marriage in a proper perspective. Uh, we don't need to worship the institution of marriage. We need to worship the creator 
who created individuals and he created husband and wife to join together. And what he joins together, we don't let anyone destroy. And, and, um, and so it, it was out of that that we wrote uh, the Together Workbook. And it, it takes a similar format to the, the workbook to have and to hold the marriage prep uh, curriculum that we have. There's, there's a, a prep work that they do prior to coming to their small group and they work through some things as a couple. You don't have to have a small group to work through it, but you know as well as I do, anytime there's more than two or three gathered in a room, you're just better because there's better conversation and people are pushing on you a little bit. And my wife, the- yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. My wife and I, we, we often get these kind of resources and workbooks. And even if everything is fine, we like to work through it, A, because there's questions that we just are ignorant of. There's things that we forget to ask ourselves and it takes our conversation off of how is your day? How are the kids, right? It gives us something else to talk about. And we're at that stage. We've got a, uh, an eight-year-old, a five-year-old and a two-year-old. So most of our conversations are who did this and who's cleaning it up, right? That's, yeah. um, and I, I really like that there are people who will just ask somebody, how's your marriage? Mm-hmm. Now I was home for the last week with COVID and I, I got to spend every day with my kids and men, we often say, how was work? How's work been? And I was like, how come no one, I, I just had the thought the other day. I said, no one ever says, how's your time with your kids? Yeah. How's your time with your kids? And I was like, I wish more people would ask each other because who cares how my day at work was, <laughs> but I, I want to know how was your day with your kids? Did, yeah. was it, did you invest in them? Did you get that playtime in? Did you get those times where you talked about God's truth and things like that? So um, yeah. I think maybe we might need to be do a little bit more of that. That's good. Yeah. We just told our young married couples, because one of the tensions, we had a retreat this past weekend and it's couples married five years or less. And one of the tensions they all face is how do I balance work and family? You know, I'm just struggling because I'm in the start of my career and one of the things we told them was no success outside the home can compensate for failure inside the home. Yeah. So just be careful what you're saying yes to in these early years, especially well in every, every year. And because your marriage is top priority. And so any, anything we can do to put resources in front of people that can call them back to what's important and to remind them, because we take each other for granted. Byron and I take each other for granted. Even in our empty nest years, it's easy just to push autoplay, you know? Um, And this book does, we went through it ourselves before we released it just to go, does this really work? And it really deepened our conversation and helped us return back to, you know, I learned some things about Byron. There was a, there was a illustration in there that you were supposed to the love tank, you're supposed to shade in how full your love tank was to shade it to where is it 100% full, 75? Well, my sweet husband, and I had no idea, it was like 60% full, it was not full. And so, we had a great conversation around why is that a great conversation? <laughs> it was a hard conversation, it was hard. but it was a yeah. great conversation. It starts off with, What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But you know, for Carla and I, uh. We, we wrote this with uh, Amy Castello, and she went through this uh, with us, and, and it was just a great process because she was writing out of her heart for her church. She's a family pastor at her church, and she was writing it for the marriages within her, 
her church. And we were writing we were, yeah. for the couples who had gone through our marriage prep class and now have been married, some of them, 23, 24 years. Uh, yeah. and, and yet we went through it together after we compiled it. And it was, it really was life changing. And then just this past fall, we took our small group through it and it was good for Carla and I to go through it again. So I think you're right. I think to just to be able to be prompted with questions and to carve out time to be intentional, it's these rhythms and patterns is what we're trying to get people to establish. And even people like you, who is a professional Christian, people like us that focus on marriage uh, and pre-marriage, we lose sight of, of what's important and lose sight of our intentionality oftentimes. I, I give my wife, um, she's the one who can tell me to stop. And she, she does sometimes she's, she's I mean, this is our, uh, third church plant that we're at. Wow. And that's, that's the tough ministry. Um, sure. we've, yeah, we've merged two times in the last three years and uh went through a pandemic uh luckily i'm in a great church they're giving me the month of january off for sabbatical and uh but they know most of the time i won't answer my phone in the evening that i'm home for dinner every single night Mm -hmm. i I just don't give up that time um because there's too much at at stake right like if i'm not pastoring my house then how can i pastor anybody else but i love these kind of workbooks because you get to have the conversations about difficult things when you're not mad because most people will wait till they're mad. Well said, throw it at you. And cause they know it'll hurt. But if we can talk about money or sex or any of those other things on a good day, um, then great. Now I think it was you guys who taught us this. And if not, we'll just say it was you because it's one of the best things that we use. Um, the, the one through five or one through 10, whenever we go out to eat, we'll just say, how are you, how are we doing physically on a scale of one to 10? And it's a very non-threatening way, you know, a a number six or number seven. And we do that on finances and uh, spirituality. Is that, is that one of y'all's teachings? Yeah, actually it comes from one of our volunteer leaders of of how important is this one to 10, you know? Yeah. and it works for all areas of your life to be able to, to kind of think through where you're at in, in all components of your uh, life. But to, because I, I think our minds sort of work in a, in a, in a spectrum. And, and if we can kind of determine, and oftentimes we think that our spouse is doing great. And that's why it was good just to do that silly little love tank. It, it ridiculous for most guys to have to sit there and fill out, even hear about it love to you t- try to approach it to where it doesn't feel cheesy and slimy to do that but it does give you an opportunity to visually show your spouse hey this is what's really going on inside of me. yeah and for guys who aren't often the best communicator that can be a, a, absolutely a great way to grunt uh, 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 uh. yeah and so we have to say like even before those times we're not going to be defensive here we're not going to give all of our reasons why this is the way it is. We're going to accept it and we're going to pray about it and, you know, understand that it's a gift to know these things. Now, one last thing. I, I heard a rumor that you guys are friends with Chip and Joanne Gaines. Is that, is that a rumor or is that true? That is, we, uh, uh, 
I don't know if that's fortunate or unfortunate. Now yeah. we've known Chip since he was a sophomore in college. He was, okay. we're, we're kind of embarrassed to tell people that uh, we let him babysit our kids. In fact, he's our kids' favorite, one of our kids' favorite babysitters. Because there was no rules. <laughs> no rules and he had fun and he had, Wheels some, off. had some animals as a college student that, and he would take them and they'd get to play with the uh, goats and horses and whatever else he had that week. Uh, and, and so they went through our marriage prep class as well. And, and uh, you know, we really kind of knew them when they were struggling and chip brain was always thinking about something new and different. And, and he's as crazy as he uh, is on the show. But what's fun to see them on the, the whole Magnolia Network and what they've done is that's who they are. And, and it's they're real and they're authentic. And, and what you're seeing is is the real Chip and Joanna Gaines. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Um, well, I highly recommend if you know of anybody that is uh, thinking about getting married to actually go to their class. My wife and I did it. We, we took some people along with us and we're 14 years in now. And the other couples that went with us, they're all still married. And we're not just barely surviving. I think we're thriving in our marriage. Even I, I keep looking at this stage and I go, I think this is, is about as hard as it gets, but I could be wrong. Um, but with all of them being this little, um, it seems really difficult at times. You're in uh, a tough stage, that's for sure. And that's why I think that's why people hit that seven year itch and then that 14 year itch. It, it seems like it comes in, in, you know, about every, every five to 10 years, uh, there's just, a, it's a new stage and with a new stage comes new growth and, and new opportunity for uh, you to learn to love. And I think that's the bottom line of marriage anyways. We're really learning to love someone and then that allows us to love other people well. Mm, that's good, yeah, good. Yeah, the empty nester thing, when you mentioned that, there was a part of me that just got really excited. Like, you mean someday? It'll be yeah. just me and her again? Because we had so much fun together. Yeah, uh, yeah now two ships passing in the night. Yeah. Uh, it came a lot like you, you know, we, we were in youth ministry and we had such a burden for the family and knew that we could maybe impact it more on the front end with marriage prep and helping these couples to build their foundation on, on Jesus and his principles and the truth of that. And the thing that drives us and it's part of legacy's mission is to pass on biblical principles from one generation to the next. And so when you and your wife are strongly connected to Jesus and you're doing that and you're passing the baton of faith to your kids, that is what it's all about. And when they see you guys loving each other well and the greatest gift that you can give them is a healthy marriage that's centered, not, not parent-centered family, but Christ-centered family. And that is so, that's how we win the war. We pass this on to the next generation and the greatest, gen, the greatest discipleship tool are, are parents with their kids. And so that is what drives us. And it's just a gift to be able to talk to you today and to be able to see how you and your wife are doing this with your kids and what a gift. And so thank you so much for what you're doing. And we are grateful to get to partner with you. Well, thank you guys for investing in me and my family. And uh, the beautiful thing about what you do is, man, the fruit of that just lasts generations to generations. So um Check out their website, get some of their resources. Byron and Carla, thank you so much for being on today. I really appreciate it. And it was great to talk with you.
Till Adrian, thank you for putting up with Caleb Moore. We, we love you and we appreciate what you do. And, and this podcast is amazing. Thanks for letting us. We're honored that we could be a part of it. Great. Thank you, guys.